Mills to Ablett. Oh, Justin Madden's got the set. One hand. Oh, oh, oh. oh the post is broken. Matthew's in it. Oh, talk about a he-man. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. This is your football life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Oh, Matty, g'day to you and g'day to you for tuning the dial. We thank you very, very much. And Matty, you've been all over the world, Europe and Britain, and I'm sure you've been keeping pace with this as your footy life and the stars keep on uh, coming. There's no doubt about that. It's a wonderful Australian game. That is a given. And in the VFL and AFL, thousands of men have played the game at this the highest level. Some play and move on. Others have more of an impact. Such is the case with today's guest who is just a gun, both on and off the field. 272 games for Adelaide. 53 in the Sandville with South Adelaide. Back-to-back Premiership captain for Adelaide, 97-98. And inducted, well-deserved, into the South Australian Football Hall of Fame. He is Mark Bickley. And Mark, this is your football life. Uh, G'day, Rex. How are you? It's my absolute pleasure. Don't worry about the pleasure, mate. Just leave the pleasure to me because as an old bloke, you know, I've forgotten where I live, but I tell you what, I still love the game. And you and your team of that golden era of 97, 98 gave me so much to work with to develop my, uh, let's say, Mark, unique style, a bit a bit like Rowie, <laughs> a bit like Rowie and KG. But uh, what do you think, you know... The humble beginnings from Port Pirie. What do you mm. think when I read out your resume? And, and just tell me what you're thinking at the moment. Yeah, well, it blows me away because you're right. I had very humble beginnings. Um, uh, you know, I don't think I ever played in a, a representative game or a state team or anything like that. I really I stayed in Port Pirie till I was uh, 18 years of age. So I played three years of country footy from 16, 17, 18, those years. And, and, and I think for... Um, from those humble beginnings and moving through, um, yeah, it's been a it's been a wonderful experience, but certainly kept me grounded along the way because uh, there's lessons that I learned playing against some pretty rough and yeah. tough fellows as a probably in, in early days a prepubescent young man, um, yeah. and and those lessons sort of served me well. So uh, from Port Pirie, uh, moving out of home and going to Adelaide, it seemed yeah. like uh, going to New York, but. Um, uh, I was able to do it and move to Adelaide and have loved every bit of it. Mark Bickley joins us, folks, and it's a great honour for me to talk to the back-to-back Premiership captain. We'll get to that in a moment. I'll just pick you up there on what you said, that you know you had to play against some pretty wily and, and opponents who are better than yourself. Tom Hafey once said to a group of which I was one that unless you play with people better than yourself in any walk of life, you're entitled to be sort of just comfortable with yourself mm. but we'll never get any better do you subscribe to that absolutely yeah i reckon um first of all i'm, I'm the younger brother it's my older brother's two years in advance of myself so that that starts very young so whenever obviously he's 10 i'm eight whenever it, that that little gap there always meant he was bigger and stronger so for me to try and keep up with him to try and whether facing him in cricket or whether it was having a bit of one-on-one uh, footy or whatever it is, it was always challenging for me. And, and yeah. um, as a young kid in the, the country, it wasn't unusual to play, you know, under 13s um, in the morning and then the next game was short. So you'd play yeah. under 15s. And then there was even times when I was a, a 13 or 14-year-old playing uh, in the under 18s. So yeah. that that um, having to 
I guess, be a bit smarter because you're never physically as big or as strong as the other kids and having to, uh, you know, cop a bit of uh, bit of stick, you know, get knocked <laughs> over a bit and, uh, you know, like easily tackled and, and rubbed into the dirt. Yeah. Uh, I think that really was uh, one of the things that stood me in good stead. It just made me want to yeah. prove everyone wrong and it just made me a really competitive young man. And the education of life itself has got to be better than any university. Mm. Uh, well, I, I grew up with footy. My dad was uh, a, a coach of the junior side, but he was also a selector of the, the senior side in the country. So every night, the, the juniors had trained Tuesdays and Thursdays. The A-grade had trained Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So every night, we'd knock off school, hit, finish work, we'd jump in the car and we'd go to footy training. And uh, there's the old uh, adage of you know getting 10,000 hours of mastery. Well, I reckon... You know, put two or three hours every night from the age of five or six to the age of 15, there's your 10,000 hours, kicking the ball, marking yeah. the ball, uh, standing behind the goals while the A-grade team were having shots at goals and kicking them back over the fence. That was my life pretty much. So the, the common denominator with success is the same with you. The harder you work, the luckier you get. Yeah, well, that's right. And look, I yeah, I did get some, some really uh, good breaks going my way. I got invited to play with South Adelaide at a time when... Um, they were at their lowest end. John Reed, who was the coach of South Adelaide, yeah. invited me to play down there after playing in the country. And basically the philosophy was then they had no money and they were on the bones of their backside. So they invited all the best country kids down and said, look, we can't really pay you a great deal. But we'll give you an opportunity to play in the Sandfall. And that opportunity was afforded to me. And, um, you know, for two years I played under John Reed and that was a, an enormous learning experience. And it was just enough exposure to, mm. uh, to get me selected in that, that initial squad of the Crows. And, uh, you know, with North uh, not doing that well, you know, after some really halcyon years uh, earlier on in the late 70s under Mike Patterson, um, you know, you just were belted each week. And uh, as I said, uh, you get a punch on the nose and it stings. The next time you get it, it doesn't sting so much. But it's just so essential that you know what you're getting yourself in for uh, when you get to the highest level. Yeah, that's right. And and look, we had, uh, once Adelaide was formed and, we came into the league, we, uh, we went through this period where we were pretty good at, uh, at Footy Park, but boy, did we cop some absolute pastings uh, when we, when we travelled into state. And my first game was at Windy Hill, and we, uh, we lost by about 13 goals. Yeah. We then, our next game was at home, which we won. The game after that, we went to, uh, went to Subiaco Oval and lost by 20 goals. Goodness. Came, ba- came back and won, and the game after that, we went to uh, Moorabbin and lost by 20 goals again. So my first five games, I reckon... I had a cumulative loss of about 55 goals in three of them. So it was, uh, like you said, it was a, a baptism of fire. But look, it was such a such a thrill to be playing on the same oval as you know, Ablett and Dunstall and Burton and Ooh. these guys who only a couple of years earlier you'd looked at in absolute yeah. awe. Kernahan, Platten, Bradley, those type of names. Footy was such a big thing in South Australia. And um, yeah, it was it was enormous. And I can, you know, remember those State of Origin games Tuesday night that just rated the socks off the television, but it was just fantastic because the players were fair income, but we'll never probably see that again. No. Um, as, as a young man at Port Pirie, looking back on those, you know, years where the grassroots of, of, of the Bickley journey towards the top started, do, do you still remember some kids who you were just in awe of and just say, I'll never be as good as this kid, and they've absolutely done Jack Shizen? <laughs> well, it is. That's something that um, I remember after we won our first premiership in uh, in 97, catching up with my family at, at that stage. And, and look, without um, 
being too harsh on my brother. My brother was actually a better footballer than what I was. I'm, I'm five foot nine and a half. He was six foot two. He was a Gee. beautiful kick. I was yeah. a terrible kick. Um, and and he had a, uh, a very, very uh, celebrated career. He kicked 182 goals in the under-18s one year. And he, similar to me, he played at a very early age. But he, he just didn't have any desire to... Uh, yeah to go to, to Adelaide or to move away from, from Port Pirie. He was very settled here. He loved playing for the, the club that we'd grown up with, which was Solomon Town. Um, he was very settled in his in his private life. So mm. he just didn't uh, decided to, to stay there. And on that night, after the grand final, he said it's the first time ever he sort of thought to himself, wow, you know, look what you've achieved and where you've got to. It's the first time he's ever wondered, you know, what yeah. if. And so, and I'm sure... That's played out around well, the around the the country leagues with lots of people who see some young men go on and upwards and others just uh, yeah hang around. Well, the world's what's uh, full of what if, and that's not when you book a, a late hotel room. But uh, <laughs> you know, if I hadn't have lost my blonde hair when I was playing for Richmond, Geelong, and St Kilda, I may have well been the next Brad Pitt. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> oh, you're 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 going to come any time on my program. Um, so just getting back and straightening up for a, a, another minute with your brother. Yeah. Why did you have the driving force? Was it just the makeup? You came from the same environment, you know, mum and dad, yeah. home, same friends, school. That's uh, you know, mm. cricket and footy. You always had a bit of muck on the pluck, did you? To say I'm going to do the very very best I can because. When the, the history of the game is written, the best people in ability-wise are not necessarily the, the, the legends, are they? No, that's right. And um, it's funny, I went to a, uh, well, it's a bit sad, I went to a funeral and, I, and, that, and the, the gentleman who passed away had a, a couple of golden rules and one of them was the, the smartest man in the room isn't always the most successful, but he said more often than not, the hardest working man in the room is the most successful. And I think that's something that I've always, um, I've never shied away from hard work. I've enjoyed footy, footy, as you know, Rex, it is just such a great industry to work in. And yeah. and there's nothing like rocking up the training and, and uh, with a group of people that you really enjoy the company of and You've got a you know a light goal that you really want to achieve, and you just put your bum down and work as hard as you can. And there's mm. particularly when I played, there was plenty of opportunities to, to let our hair down and really enjoy ourselves. But you know those some of the, your best memories are always when when you've you've beaten the odds or you've you've grown as a group of young men. And for me, that was the most remarkable thing about winning a premiership was that there was a real core group of people who were there at the birth of a club who saw that through to. Mm to reach the ultimate prize. Very, very few people do that. Generally, there's no. the people that start it, they do a lot of hard work and they put some foundation stones in place, but they're long gone by the time you, you, you scale the pinnacle of the mountain. So for me and Nigel Smart and David Pittman and Rod Jamison, there's a whole range of guys who are all there from day yeah. one and we, we went through those really tough periods of the 20 gold beltings and uh, you know the sack coaches and all those yeah. things to be, to to be able to be there and when we scaled the mountain was just really really rewarding. And uh, before we take a break, this sad I don't know whether sad's the right word word is Tony Modra who was just the biggest name with Ablett in that era. Mm. He doesn't have that medallion of which you've got a couple. I'm fortunate enough to have a couple, and every year we <coughs> toast it with our mates and uh, and it's just for life and. Uh, I'm sad about that because if anyone ever deserved to be a uh, premiership player, it was mods, but it, the mm. game's not fair at all, is it? 
Well, it's not. And there's um, there's another bloke I reckon you can put in there as well, and that's Matthew Liptak, who was, mm. once again, around at the start. He was our best yeah. and fairest winner in, in 1996, the year before the Premiership. Yeah. He just had a, a wretched run with um, with injuries, both in 97 and 98. So for Mods and, and Lippy not to yeah. uh, to get that, they were so pivotal in, in the, the history of the club. And just amazing. Matthew Liptak, now one of the, the leading orthopaedic surgeons in Adelaide, he, was, he deferred his... Um, medical studies for a number of years, so he could keep playing AFL footy. He's, um, you know, just one of my great friends through footy. But Mods is really interesting because, yeah. he, like you said, he was as big as any player in the AFL, oh. and he, he was cruel in '97. He, he ruptured his ACL in the prelim final, and then he um, he was dropped in '98 after the first final and had a bit of a falling out with the coach, and then left the club. But I think the best thing that's that's happened, particularly in the last five or so years is Mods has really reconnected with the club. He's he's been awarded life membership. I, I see Mods quite regularly and he's just he's really comfortable with yeah. Adelaide the Adelaide Football Club. It seems like he's in a good place, doesn't he? And he takes a, takes a lot of the people, my vintage, across, you know, to the M C G or That's down right, to the Adelaide yeah. Oval. And, and there uh, are, there was some people that can, you know, be really bitter about oh, that yeah. missed opportunity and and how it all ended, but, mm. but I can tell you that Mods isn't, and he's really uh, connected with the Footy Club, and I think that's wonderful because I don't think there'd be too many more loved players uh, at the Adelaide Footy Club than Tony Modra. Folks, it's my pleasure to talk to Mark Bickley, back-to-back Premiership captain for Adelaide in '97, '98, and we're going to get to that out of the break. You can check check us out on Twitter. The only thing that tweets around here is my canary, folks, at Football Life, Rex Football Life, whatever it is. That don't start me on the IT business. This is your Football Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. And some of the old blokes get a bit nervous, Marcus, uh, when they get the Tobin brothers. They say, oh, we can organise 10 or 20% off if you're a pensioner. But uh, the great thing about Tobin brothers, who uh, have been great supporters of this program for three years, they just had a program called Say It Now. And if you want to tell someone you love them, ring them up. If you, if you had a blue with a bloke over something, just, you know, piddly little thing, make it up because friendships are not meant to be broken by, you know, just rubbish. And uh, so, but we're celebrating the footy life of Mark Bickley Tell us about the uh, inauguration of the Crows, uh, the licence, and you arriving there before Malcolm Blight came after a couple of pretty ordinary seasons that uh, Adelaide were involved in. It was a really interesting one because the the West Coast Eagles had been uh, into the competition, of course. Sydney, South Melbourne were up in Sydney. The Brisbane Bears were there. And the AFL wasn't all that strong, and they were pretty keen to um, to get hold of uh, a team from South Australia And at that time. Uh, I think South Australia were pretty keen to do it on their terms rather than the uh, the VFL terms. So they were holding out and they were trying to get the best possible concessions and uh, they all voted. This is the 10 league directors that they would continue to wait until the uh, the VFL came to the party with the concessions. And unbeknownst to uh, many, uh, Port Adelaide went behind the back of all the other league directors and said, you know what? to the VFL, if you want to come in, we'll come in and we'll play as the Port Adelaide Football Club. Mm. Well, what that did, that forced the hand of the uh, of the SANFL to say, well, if a team comes in from South Australia, it's got to be a composite team. So uh, pretty hastily thrown together, pretty much uh, in two months. There was a, the colours were born, the song was written, um, the first night at training, I, it's a funny one, we rocked up at training and everything had been organised in terms of 
shorts and everything. We got out to do our uh, first bit of training and no one had organised any footies, Rex, so that was a great way to start. It's like going fishing without a rod. That's right. So uh, that's how hastily things were thrown together. There was uh, no sponsors. We didn't have... We just went plain yellow singlets and plain blue shorts and uh, we started from there. Graham Corns was the inaugural coach. There's about 70 guys that were invited out to train and um, from that it was whittled down to about 42. Goodness. And um, yeah, from onwards and upwards from there. So... Uh, and I guess the, probably the one of the most memorable things, I didn't play in the very first game, but, of course, Adelaide took on the uh, Hawks. Yeah. Yeah, at home in front of 52,000 Amazing. People, just the whole I... team packed out. It was a 13-goal win, if you can yeah. remember that. I can remember at 3AW, we were up the back and uh, Hooksy was, the late David Hooks was yes. broadcasting for 5AA. He tapped uh, Ron Brassi on the shoulder and said, where can we buy some finals tickets? I tell you what, that was uh, without Vass, wasn't it? That was magnificent. Uh, the first coach was Cornsey. Uh, what, a, what a man, what a contributor both on and off the field. Um, it was probably unlucky uh, that, he, mm. that he had the side, but you just couldn't get there. Well, yeah, that's right. He, um, we, we got to a prelim final in, in 1993 in our yeah. third year, which when you look back is a pretty oh, remarkable effort. Goodness me. Uh, and we're seven goals up at half time, And unfortunately, uh, Timmy Watson and the Baby Bombers, they, they overran us in the, the last half and they, they obviously went on to win the final. So that was, yeah. um, uh, I guess it was a key sort of signpost in our history. And, and I can remember that at the time, and this is something that I always tell younger players was, even as disappointed as we were, a lot of the guys my age were in our early 20s at that stage. We walked off that day and missing a grand final, but thought, you know what? We're three years in and we're in the prelim final. This is, you know, Aww. grand final next year and away we go. And, yeah. and unfortunately, you can just never... Doesn't happen never, like that. No, that's it. Um, count on, on it just going as you planned. And we had a few injuries and uh, lots of other bits and pieces that didn't go very well. And a few of the players and the coach fell out and at the mm. end of... The next year, we missed the eight, and Graham Corns was, was on his way. So yeah. that was um, that was a really big occasion in, in South Australian footy. So that so that was '96, so the Matthew Liptap best and fairest year, and Malcolm joined you in '97. Well, we had that was in '94. Then we had Robert Shaw come over. Oh, Robert Shaw, left-footed Essendon player. Yeah, that's it. And I think everyone thought, with the success of the West Coast Eagles, with Mick Moldhouse coaching them, that the vein of thought was we'll get a Victorian over here as yeah. they know how to coach a footy team. But unfortunately. It didn't quite work, and it was two years in the abyss, I guess, with two more missed finals. And yeah. so, uh, on the back of finishing 11th and 12th in um, in '95 and '96, Malcolm Blight, the SOS, went out to a, a South Australian, John yeah. Reed and Bill Sanders, who were involved with Malcolm at Woodbury. And he was right because he'd had he'd run his race at uh, Kidinia Park. That's right, and been commentating on the TV. Yes. And uh, he'd had a year out of it. He was refreshed and came in, came in with a, a bang. He um, like a breath of fresh air. Well, there was about six players who exited pretty quickly. And yeah, did you get some footings to play with when Malcolm turned up? <laughs> First night, we had the footies out. That's one thing he did do. He loved footy. But look, he was he was fantastic, Malcolm. Yeah. He's such a teacher. And I think that had been something that I guess I and a lot of the other players hadn't experienced, the uh, the way he could impart his message across yeah. and really his enthusiasm for the game. He, he just kept was captivating as a coach. And, um, and he just made footy fun. And after three years of... Um, not much fun and a lot of losing. He mm. just made it fun and we had a lot of good times and he was really relaxed about uh, do the work on the field. You can relax off the field and enjoy each other's company and we certainly did that. Why wouldn't you want to play for a bloke like that? A bit of fun. Mm. I'll tell you what, it's uh, when you have fun and, and uh, doing okay, it's just magnificent. 
tell us about the thoughts immediately when you were told, uh, you know, that Tony McGuinness was standing down as captain and you would mm. be the new captain under a new coach. Goodness me, no pressure at all, Mark. Well, it was, <laughs> I can remember what happened was I was a little bit worried because we'd heard the news reasonably uh, quickly that, that there's a number of players going. As I mentioned, McGuinness, McDermott, Jarman, I think Greg Anderson went, I think uh, Wayne Wiedemann went as well. All those guys were around 30 years of age. And I got a call from Blighty. And we went for a walk around the Torrens, if you can believe that. It was rather I, serene. I can. All I, all I know is, did you pitch a tent? <laughs> no, we didn't. We were in the shadows of Adelaide Oval, and I was sort of half wondering, this can either go one of two ways. <laughs> Maybe he's going to tell me not to come Monday, or, yeah. or there might be something else. But he did. He just he basically said that he thought I was the best candidate, and, and was I comfortable with it? And it was something that, uh, that I'd aspired towards in, in the previous couple of years. So, yeah, it was a great opportunity. Yeah. So, mm. uh, what changed so much? Back-to-back premise, 1997-98. Uh, look, I have to mention, I don't want to blow my own stack, but in 69, when Richmond made the, the final four, we made it by a bee's diaphragm. We just won in straight sets. We were unbeatable. We were, you know, average age 21. Mm. What was the big change apart from Malcolm? Was it just your self-belief and we can do this together? Oh, well, I think there was a couple of things. I think there was one, Malcolm's system and his game style was was really simple and we believed in it because he sold it to us so well and it was it was absolutely black and white so you, his example was um his little example was if you came in you know if you're a wingman and you come off the center square and you get in there a little bit early and you give away a free kick yeah he'd say to me why would you why would you be that keen to give away a free kick he said i'll tell you what to do to save a bit of time just turn around and run straight off the ground because if you don't, the runner will be coming out. So, <laughs> and, he, and he just had lots of little things like that where he mm. believed that every time you took the ball out of the middle, it had to be kicked over the front of the centre line. You don't yeah. go sideways, you go straight down the middle. And, and we, we had lots of things that were black and white and we all knew how we were going to play. But also mm. there was this group of players that I mentioned that w- were there from the start who were probably six or seven years into their AFL career that thought it. 27, it's going to actually have to happen now. And if it's not going to happen, going to happen if it doesn't happen not, now. It's not going to be McGuinness or McDermott or Jarman yeah. that's going to have to carry it. It's going to have to be Bickley, Smart and, yeah. uh, and those guys. So it was this this ownership that we had of the team. And we had, a after a rocky start, we got on a bit of a roll. and We won, we won half a dozen in a row and, and we actually started to believe that we were a good side. But the, the interesting thing was, though, both years, we only won 13 games. So... Yeah. If you think about this year, Adelaide have won 16 and, and finished fifth. Both yeah. years we, we won 13 games and finished outside the top four. So last side to um, to actually salute from outside the top four. And I think there's a few people hoping that Adelaide might uh, be able to do it again. Well, it's no good being in front 100 metres before the post in a Melbourne Cup, is it? It's all about that. Time uh, is getting away, uh, but uh, it's just been a real, real pleasure to reminisce on what's been one of the great careers you sound in a very, very good place. So you're doing some radio, and uh, with with Stephen Rowe on Five A, mm. and 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 life's pretty good. Yeah, look, it is. I um, I've been blessed actually. I, I, I finished. I retired in 2003. I did some work with Channel Nine for probably five years. And yeah. Got invited to, to go back and coach under Neil Craig, and and uh, really enjoyed that. And spent uh, five years, six years, sorry, at the Adelaide Football Club as an assistant coach, and then. Uh, when Phil Walsh took over, um, there was a few changes and I had an opportunity to come and work with 5AA. So it's great. As you know, Rex, you get along to the, the footy every week. You call the game that you love. And you still Don't tell have anyone. A, a small involvement in, you know, in the, 
in the players each week. You bump in and you get to see them. It's, it's wonderful. When the history of the game is written, whether you like it or not, you'll take your rightful place. And your brother won't. But uh, life's full of ifs and buts. Uh, you are a credit to your family, where you come from and uh, where you're heading to. And thanks for your time today, Mark Bickley. Rex, uh, always a pleasure. And uh, thank you for your contribution to the game. I haven't spoken to you much, but I can tell you what, there's one thing that I used to love doing. Your calls were always one of the highlights <laughs> of my weekend. So I must thank you as well. Lovely to chat with you, uh, Mark Bickley. And if you'd like to hear the extended version of this interview, check out facebook.com Tobin Brothers Funerals or follow us on the Canary. That's Twitter. And this has been This Is Your Football Life, thanks to Tobin Brothers celebrating the AFL life of Mark Bickley.